Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Okay, let's do it. So we're in week two of our series titled Healthy Relationships. And for those who need a little bit of help, it's a series on healthy relationships. You guessed it. And uh, that's a joke, y'all. Thank you. John, the, the one joke. <laughs> so last week we highlighted Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And it's important to know that approaching this verse, basically what's happening um, when this verse is said is Jesus is in the temple and he's just dropping knowledge bombs pretty, pretty much. He's sharing these parables and, and, and he's talking about the things of God and, and the people in the temple are amazed and captured and captivated by his teaching and, and, and the Sadducees are, 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 are they're, they're speechless. They can't even believe what Jesus is teaching, and he's causing this ruckus. And so what happens is the Pharisees, who, who are the church leaders at the time, they, they want to find a way to discredit Jesus. That's their plan. They go, man, he, he's causing a ruckus. He, he's stirring up the people. We, we, we're not in agreement with his teachings, and, and we need to find a way to discredit all that this man is doing because he, he's changing the region. He's bringing revival. For those who don't know, the Pharisees are passionate about upholding the law of Moses. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago where they're they're so concerned with the rules and the regulations and and all these things. So they they come together and they basically have a huddle. They know Jesus is teaching in the temple and they're like, guys, what are are we going to do, man? We need to discredit him somehow, some way. I, I wish we could trap them or, or something like that. And, they ha- and there's one Pharisee, his name is Ernie. And, <laughs> and Ernie is, is the brightest, most educated Pharisee that they have. And they say, Ernie, we need you on this one. And he says, okay, guys. <laughs> he says, I have just the question. <laughs> he says, I have just the question. <laughs> I have just the question to trap Jesus. Now, I believe two weeks ago, I was talking about this verse, and as I, as I listened back, I'm pretty sure that I told you guys it was the disciples who asked Jesus this question, and it was the Pharisees. I just wanted to clear that up, have some grace for your boy here. So in Matthew 22, in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, this, that's the context. So this Pharisee approaches Jesus. So let me go ahead and read this here. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, talking about Jesus silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of them, Ernie, uh, I don't know if that's his name or not, but an expert in religious law, he's very educated, he tried to trap him with this question. <laughs> okay, Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Which one's the most important? If you're so smart, if you're this God man, if you have it all figured out, why don't you go ahead and answer this question for us? Because we know there's all these rules and regulations and laws. We talked about it. I love Jesus' reply. He says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest command. He says, and second, equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. He he says, the entire law, all the demands of the prophets, all of it, all the rules, all the regulations, it's all covered by these two commands. They all fall under these two things, to love God 
and to love people. It says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So not only does Jesus' reply silence the Pharisees, it leaves the Pharisees speechless, but when he says this, we find out that all of the law, all God desires for us, it hangs from these two pegs, to love God and to love people. Everything hangs from those two pegs, right? And not only do these two laws sum up all the commandments, all the rules, all the regulations, but in these two pegs here, we see for us, we see our only purpose. Like, love God and love people is our, is our only calling, right? It's the very reason we were created, to love God and to love people. So when we approach our life, when we go through our everyday life, this is the filter with which we need to view everything that we do. What we watch, what we see, what we listen to, what we speak, how we treat each other. Is this promoting my purpose? What's my purpose? To love God and to love people. Does this contribute? Is this promoting my purpose of loving God and loving people. So as we continue in our series titled Healthy Relationships this morning, I, I want to talk to you this morning about healthy friendships. Healthy friendships. And I can really summarize the entire message with this one question. I'm going to ask you three this morning, but it's this. Do your friendships promote your purpose? I know y'all write slow, so I'll say it slow. Do your friendships promote your purpose? or just provoke pleasure? Do they promote your purpose, or do they just provoke pleasure? The title of my message this morning is called Friends on Purpose. Friends on Purpose. You pray with me, Jesus. Father, I'm praying that you would use this word in a divine way. And God, I'm also asking that in your grace, you would choose to use me in a divine way. God, I pray that you would uh, your spirit would grab hold of my words as, as you open up hearts to receive. God, I pray that your spirit would be at work in this building this morning, shaping and molding us in, in, into the people of God that you've called us to be. Father, we want to be disciples who are madly, fully in love with you. And God, I pray that we would walk out of here, not just our friendships, but everything that we, we pursue, everything we take part in would, would be viewed through this lens of, does it promote my purpose? Does this contribute to me loving God and loving people better? Father, we love you. We give you glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So towards the end of high school, you know, just, just to be frank with you guys, I wasn't being real intentional about serving the Lord. Like, you know, I, I, think I, I think I love Jesus, but I was figuring some things out. I, I wasn't super intentional about serving the Lord, and the people that I was surrounded by with, quite honestly, they, they weren't uh, as concerned either. Now, what's strange is I, is I knew I was called to ministry. I felt like deep down in my spirit that I was supposed to be a preacher. I was supposed to be a pastor. But I also had all this stuff that I was wrestling with, all these ways that I disqualified myself. So I really had this wrestle. I, you know, I was graduating high school. I, I had to choose a college. That was my next step. I, I knew I was going to go, you know, continue my education, either do a university or a college. And I just thought, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I feel like there's, when I really think about it, there's this one thing that keeps tugging on my heart. I just don't know how to get there. How, and, and that's ministry. So I, I had the thought as I was graduating high school, if I can just get to a Christian university 
then I'll be surrounded by Christians, and uh, basically I'll just become a great Christian myself, and I'll just end up in ministry. I'm just surrounded by the wrong people right now. But then I get to the Christian university, and it's not long before my life looks exactly the same. And the people I'm surrounded by with, they have the same similar mindset, right? Because how many know that when it's, not, when it's an inward issue, when it's an inward conflict, it follows you everywhere you go, amen? Unfortunately. So James 4, uh, verses 4 through 5, it says this. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? It's a bold statement, church. So bold, he actually goes on to mention it again. He says, I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. James goes on to say, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? Like, do we just casually observe the scriptures every once in a while? On our Instagram, post, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 every once in a while. Nothing against Jeremiah 29, 11. Do we think they have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. What took me a long time to realize, church, is that, is that my life and my relationship with Jesus, it looked the way it looked at the time because I was more concerned about making friends with the world than I was making friends with Jesus. And I'm glad to be a part of a church where none of us ever struggle with that, right? We, we don't struggle with constantly caring what people think, right? Praise the Lord. We, we, you know, we, uh, we're not always concerned about winning approval or lowering our standards to be liked and accepted by the world, right? Thank God that's not us. It's crazy is, is what I found is in that season is it, it was strange. It was like my words... My words would show and display sometimes that I, that I wanted relationship with Jesus, that I wanted that, but my actions would continuously speak, I want relationship, I want friendship with the world. That's what was happening. I want to read through John 15 here, a verse out of John, or passage out of John 15 that talks about uh, how Jesus actually addresses us as friends. I think that's Interesting. John 15, verses 9 through 15, it says this. This is Jesus talking, and he says, As the Father has loved me, as God has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. So there's a correlation here with, I want you to obey my commands, not because I'm a slave driver, not because I want what's bad for you. He says, but in this, your joy will be made full, just as mine was, as I obeyed the Father. That's good news. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. In verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
what are the two greatest commandments? What do, what do all the commandments fall under? Love who? In love, love, in love, love, in love. Good. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, this is profound. Jesus says, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. So as I said, I wanted to ask you three questions this morning, and maybe you can take these questions with you out of here, wrestle with them yourself, come up with an answer yourself. But my first question is this. I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but I wanted to revisit it because I really feel like this is the foundational piece. This is, if we're going to talk about earthly friendships, we have to start here. One, are you a friend of Jesus? Are you a friend of Jesus? I, I, I have to mention this. This has to be the, the, the foundation to this whole conversation about our earthly friendships. Because the truth is, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, if we don't have a friendship with Jesus, then our earthly relationships really have no purpose. Pastor, that's a bold statement, right? I, 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 hold on, that, that's a bold statement. I don't know if I agree with that. I agree with you. Your earthly, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether that relationship is there, your earthly friendships, will they give you temporary joy? For sure. Will they make you laugh? For sure. Will they be a shoulder to cry on in tough times? For sure. Yeah, it, it'll, yeah it'll do all that stuff. It, what it will do is provoke pleasure. It'll provoke pleasure. But they won't promote your purpose. What's your purpose? To love God and to love people. If I don't have a relationship with Jesus... These friendships, they can't promote my purpose. They can't promote the thing that I was created for. Are you a friend of Jesus? That's my question. What does a friendship with Jesus look like? I think it's important to understand that in our relationship with Jesus, we first must come to grips with he's done his part. Like Jesus has extended his invitation. Jesus has invited you. He, he, he's made the claim, I, I want to be your friend. I want to be in relationship with you. Jesus went to the cross. Or, or John 15, 13, it says this. This is right from Jesus' mouth. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. We see Jesus went to the cross. He laid down his life for you and for me because he wanted a relationship. He wanted a friendship with us so we could be in relation with the Father. But here's what a lot of us lose sight of when it comes to having a friendship with Jesus. He's done his part, but I think a lot of us forget we have a role to play in this friendship as well. The verse goes on to say, John 15, 14, we have a role. It says, if you're my friends, if you want to be in relationship with me, do what I command. Love God, love people. You are my friends if you do what I command. Remember, the two greatest commandments to love God, and to love people. I'm going to drill this in your heads this morning. Because those two commands, they encompass everything that God has called us to. Everything we do, we should desire and make efforts to somehow, some way, promote our purpose. Like I said, the words I choose to speak, is this me loving God and loving people? The things I choose to watch, are these me loving God and loving people? Or am I just concerned about provoking pleasure? Am I promoting my purpose or am I provoking pleasure? 
Proverbs 12, 26, it says this. This is, a, this is a good question for you, church, here. But the verse says, Proverbs 12, 26, it says, The righteous, those right with God, the righteous choose their friends carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Write this in your notes, church. And, and here's the deal. You know, I know we're in Marshfield, and, you know, Bobby and Johnny, they, they've known each other since middle school, and then they went to high school together, and then, you know, they went into the workforce together. Or A, a lot of us have known someone our whole lives, but here's the deal. Just because y'all have been friends forever doesn't mean that that's a friendship that needs to be like glue. Sometimes relationships can hold us back from the things that God's calling us to. And I know that's tough, and I, and I want to break that down a little bit, but church, I want to ask you this question. Are, are the friends, like, when we look at how you've made friends, are you making friends carefully, or are you making friends comfortably? You know, often the reason I think we choose friends comfortably rather than carefully is because we're more concerned about provoking pleasure. They make me laugh. We have a good time, right? So we make our friends based off provoking pleasure rather than viewing friendship as a way to promote our purpose. And, and when I found myself surrounded by people who weren't promoting my purpose, um, when I found myself who people weren't, they weren't promoting my purpose, I was surrounded by them specifically because that, they, they provoked pleasure. Like they wanted to be friends with the world just like that sinful nature in me craves too. So maybe you've chosen some of your friends um, strictly based off the fact because they took loneliness away for a season. Maybe you know they won't, they won't make you feel convicted. They'll let you get away with some of the fun stuff. You know you probably shouldn't do, but we just, you know, we do it because we just want to get away with it. So you keep those comfortable friendships. Church, Jesus is our greatest example of, of true friendship. So one, not only should we desire and establish a friendship with Jesus, but two, we should cultivate our earthly friendships in such a way that they'll promote our friendship with him. Are, are the friendships I've established in my life, are they promoting my purpose? Are they pushing me towards Christ? He's the pinnacle of everything. My first question, are you a friend of Jesus? Is this okay? Okay. We're all walking out of here with less friends, aren't we? <laughs> Unfortunately, some of you are married to that person, and I'll pray for you. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on. Not me, of course. <clears throat> yeah. My second question is this. Are you picking friends purposefully? Are you picking purposeful friendships? 1 Corinthians 5.33, it says this. And I know this is a common verse, but, but I want to lay them in front of you. I know we've probably heard it before, but church, if all we do is listen to the scriptures and we don't apply it to our lives, if we're just hearers and we're not doers, then it's useless. 1 Corinthians 5.33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. If we surround ourselves with bad company, God tells us this is a biblical truth. It'll corrupt good character. Now, like many of you are, I struggled with this too, but God, I'm supposed to love God and love people. If, if I can't surround myself with bad company, how am I supposed to love people? Like, what's that balance? What does that look like? Has this been a struggle for anybody else? Like, like what's the balance? What's the line? How do I do it? 
I read verses like Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, it says you must close yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It says make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. And I think if we were to sit in our seats and we were to think about our workplace or you know, maybe some of our friendships or the places we visit, maybe some of our family members, unfortunately. <laughs> but if we had to identify bad company in our life, I think we could maybe get a name. Like we could maybe identify somebody. And I think a lot of times, you know, Christians forget that we're, that we're supposed to act compassionately and kindly and gently and to, and to show patience towards those people, Right? I think where we, where we get it mixed up is Christians think, oh, bad company, corrupts good character. I need to cut it off. I ignore you. I don't talk to you. I'm rude to you. I'm short with you. <clears throat> no, you're bad company. You're going to corrupt my good character. Thank you very much. That's not Christian character, right? We're still called to be compassionate, kind, gentle, to show patience. But what the verse does not say is spend every night at their house, text them all day, every day, Right, Spend large amounts of time with them by yourself. That's not what the scripture goes on to say. Proverbs 13, 20, it also says this. Another popular verse. I know you've probably heard in church a million times before, but let's really wrap our minds around these. Let's not just approach. Let, let, let's read the scripture and let's apply it to our lives. It says, if you walk with the wise, you're going to become wise. Like, what? That's crazy. And this is a biblical truth. When we, when we read God's word, it, it's true. Like, it's not like this will happen sometimes. Hey, you know if you walk with the wise, sometimes you'll become wise. No, if I surround myself with wise people, that's going to rub off on me. That's the way God's created us. That's just the order. That's the way it happens. Like, the saying you become who you surround yourself with isn't just some ancient cool saying that, you know, you can find on Google. It's, it's God's word to his people you will become who you surround yourself with. And maybe you're sitting in these seats and you're thinking, Mark, I, Pastor Mark, I don't know, man. I just, I struggle with this. Like, how am I supposed to, like, not surround myself with someone? If I'm supposed to love everybody, I just, I don't know if I can not be friends with that bad company. That just doesn't seem right to me. I also had the same wrestling. And then I found this verse. And hopefully this will clear it up. Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25. It says, do not make friends. Everybody say, do not. Make friends. Do not. Make friends. Is that clear enough? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with anyone easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. We are legitimately told here in the scriptures, do not make friends with this person. Don't get too involved with this person. Their bad behavior can corrupt yours. We're still called to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient towards those around us. But we gotta be careful because 
what our bad company is doing, we can maybe end up doing too. And we have to remember ultimately that our earthly friendships are, are not to provoke pleasure. They're to promote our purpose, which is loving Jesus and loving people. Church, I want to ask you, who have you been spending your time with? Who are some of your close friends in your life right now? And does, are these people corrupting your character? Is your bad company corrupting your character? Question one, are you a friend of Jesus? Question two, are you picking purposeful friendships? And number three, um, whoever's on keys this morning, you can go ahead and come up and play. That'd be fantastic. Shorter message, we got baptisms. Um, but question three is, are you becoming a purposeful friend? Their, their company is so bad, they've been corrupting my character. Okay? I'm sick of it. I'm doing all these bad things now because of them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let's be honest, church. Let's be honest, church. When I was in those seasons, right, when, when I was in those seasons, sure, I was surrounded with some of the wrong people, but there were also times, and maybe there still are times, God forbid, I hope not, but it might still happen, where guess what? I'm the bad company corrupting the good character. We like to read that verse and say, oh, I'm not going to surround myself with bad company. Sometimes we are the bad company, church. <laughs> and the last thing I want to do, I, I hope the last thing you want to do is lead someone away from their purpose of loving God and loving people, right? I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, more popular verses. We're probably familiar with them, but they're good. Verses four through seven, it says this. It talks about what love really looks like, what love really is. It says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. But then verse six, it says it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Being a friend of true love means that we're patient, we're kind, we're not envious, we're not proud, we, we don't dishonor others, but true love, it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing either. Like, man, I love you. I'm, dude, I'm, you're not gonna get my approval for that. I'm not with that. I don't understand why you're doing that. I, let's get better. Let's walk away from it. Girl, <laughs> I don't know why you're doing this. Right? It doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing. It does all the soft stuff too. All the good stuff. All the great stuff. But it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing as well. And I'm afraid that a lot of us, in, in fear of losing or offending our friends, we just rejoice in their wrongdoings because we don't have the boldest not to. Ha <laughs> ha, that was funny. Yeah, I'll hold this while you do it. <laughs> right? You just rejoice in it. Yeah, man, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, girl, that's good. You're fine. You look great. If we want to be a purposeful friend ourselves, right, we must encourage and correct others. John 15, verses 9 through 15. I want to read it again. It's, is Jesus talking. He says, as the Father has loved me, 
So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Does anyone want to remain in his love? Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I've told you this so that my joy, it may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The pinnacle of our our friendship with Jesus is really summed up in two things. One, him laying down for us, uh, laying down his life for us. And two, him sharing all that he's learned from from God the Father with us. He shared it with us. But church, are, are we, like are you, willing to lay down your life to your pleasures, to abandon comfortable friendships that are only provoking pleasure and begin to carefully cultivate relationships in which we share with each other all that we have learned from God the Father. You know, like I, I opened up with, I, I ran for my purpose for a long time, but when I decided, like, man, I'm, I'm ready to do this thing. Like, I'm ready to start pursuing God. I'm ready to give him my whole heart. I'm ready to give him my whole life. No more complacency, no more apathy, no more one week spiritual high. Next week, I'm done. I'm like, I'm in it for real, God. You, you have my heart on the days when I feel like it and the days when I don't. What I did is I found a life group. My wife and I, we got into a life group. And, uh, it was full of men and women whom we'd make purposeful friendships with. We got around people who promoted our purpose. And all of a sudden, I was surrounded by guys who would call me out, who would challenge me, who loved me, encouraged me, and, and promoted the purpose that God had for me. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.